0: hope you do. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to be this morning. You can feel free to pray for my voice throughout this message. Also, I didn't let you know, my parents are in town. My mom, and dad. my mom and dad are here, so feel free to embarrass me later. <laughs> or feel free to talk to them and, and they'll embarrass me, so, so feel free to to do all of, all of that. Um, we're going to start a new series, and, and we're calling it Reality. And my hope in this series is that as believers, we would better understand God's Word, delight in God's Word, and live out God's Word. What I've come to understand is too often, we read God's Word, and then we walk away from it unchanged. We affirm certain truths with our words, but yet we deny those truths, with our actions. For example, we'll read text where it says, forgive as you have been forgiven. But then we will not pray that God will help us to be forgiving, and we will continue to hold grudges. Or we read uh, texts that say we're adopted into the family of God, but yet then we don't, then we'll, we'll live as though our participation with the family of God, the church, is more optional and not really necessary. Or perhaps we read that we're new creations And yet, we still feel and act and live as though we are slaves to sin, and that is our only choice. And so, my desire, as we go through um, God's Word today and over the next few weeks going into the beginning of June, that we would uh, see God's Word as a reality that deeply impacts our lives. Because... It's not to be, our, our lives are not to be shaped through, um, through TV, through music, through experiences, through culture, but if we look at what often happens, so often we take our experiences, we hold those up to the Bible, and we judge and we view the Bible through our lenses of our experiences, and we evaluate the truthfulness of the Bible based upon our experiences, versus taking the Word of God and using that as our lens in order to look at our experiences and the world. And God's word is without error. It is sufficient. It is sufficient uh, with the Holy Spirit to help us grow into godliness. It it comes with the absolute authority of God, meaning it has the last and final word, and it always reveals to us the will of God. So what we have is a book that's like no other book. It's a book that's inspired by the word of God. See, she's happy, or he's happy. Can't tell from here. But we need to understand that God's Word is different than every other book. It has been given to us that we would have life, and above anything else, it reveals to us the one true triune God. So once again, my desire as we go through this series called Reality is that we would, would begin living out The reality of God's Word. So as we go through the message, and and this week and the next few weeks, what I want you to pray is, is God, this is a truth that's presented in your Word. Help me to live this out. And there's really three R's that I want us to remember. Just three R's. Um, Read God's Word. Rejoice in God's Word. I want us to rejoice, to delight in God's Word. If we read Psalm 119, the longest psalm that there is... um, It's all dedicated to the Word of God, and constantly throughout the psalm, the psalm is saying, I delight in your Word. It is like honey to my lips. It wants to rejoice in God's Word, and let us respond to God's Word in obedient faith. So read, rejoice, respond. So with that, today we're going to look at spiritual gifts. And we're going to dig into 1 Corinthians 12. And I love the book of 1 Corinthians. It's one of my favorite letters that Paul wrote because it's written to a very messy and divisive church. If you look at the church of Corinth, they struggle with sexual sin, with unity, with doctrine. I mean, they are far from perfect. I find that comforting because 2,000 years removed, like we're still the church and we're far from perfect and we're messy. And if if you're here today and you're visiting and if you're, or if you're a member, let me just remind you, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Don't think that we're perfect. We try to do things well, but we mess things up a lot. I am not perfect. The elders not perfect. The management team, uh, as a body, we are not perfect. So I hope that didn't pop your bubble today, but... Well, no, I I do. I hope it did if you thought that. So we are not perfect. And and neither was the church in the first century. But we are a church that is forgiven by God, that is loved by God, that we love God, and we know that one day we will be perfected on the day that Christ returns. And that is our hope. One of the divisive issues in Corinthians was spiritual gifts. And so let me just kind of i kind of recap what this looks like. In 1 Corinthians, you basically have two groups um, on spiritual gifts. You have group one, which we'll call the inner circle, and they were the tongue-speaking group. And they believed that because they had the gift of tongues, it proved that they were a believer or a more advanced believer. So it's something like that. They either believe they are the only believers within the church or the more elite group. So it's the inner circle. And then you have group two, which we'll call the outer circle, and they're the ones who don't speak in tongues. So group one looks down upon them because they don't speak in tongues, and group two um, is jealous and bitter towards group one, and they have inferiority towards them. So you have superior group, inferior group, Um, there is bitterness, there is anger, there is no unity, and division is growing rampant in the church. So that's That's kind of how they're coming here, and so Paul, so the the Corinthian church has asked Paul many questions, and so in chapter 7, verse 1, Paul begins to write, so let me begin to address the the many questions that you have brought up. So starting in chapter 7, he just starts walking through topic after topic after topic, and we get to chapter 12, from chapter 12, 13, and 14, he addresses spiritual gifts. So that's where we're at. I'm going to ask that you will stand as we read 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read the whole chapter. We're not necessarily going to go over the entire chapter, um, but we're going to read the whole chapter. And for us, we stand in the reading of God's Word because we do believe it is the inspired Word of God. So we do that as a way of respect and love for God. Um, This is a long chapter. This is not an endurance test, so feel free to sit down. It's not a marathon. If you get tired, take a seat. So feel free to do that, and I'm going to hope I can read this whole thing at once. Beginning in verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever said, Jesus is a curse. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation... As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the body to the part that lacked it, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you now. God, this is your word written to the church. We would know how you have made us, composed us, gifted us, and called us to live. I pray for your spirit right now to be with us, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to open our eyes to the truth of your word. God, help us to know what your word is saying that we may live it out and fill us with the strength of your spirit with the conviction of your spirit, with the power of your spirit, with the faith that comes from your spirit, that we would live out your word. God, I pray today, because of your word, we are different. Work in us today. God, I pray, work in me. Make me more into your image. Help us as a a church, as your body, to be made more into your image. God, we love you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So, we're going to primarily focus on verses one through thirteen. In verses one through three, Paul is simply saying, "Brothers, the issues of gift, the issue of gifts, spiritual gifts is important. I want you to understand this. When you're unbelievers, you were ignorant; you did not understand these spiritual truths. By saying now you're a believer." No longer an excuse, you are a believer, therefore no longer can you be ignorant. And um, and in verse 3, Paul gives us an extremely important explanation of the role of the Spirit in the life of a believer. He's helping us understand spiritual gifts, and he says, The Spirit of God is given to every believer so they would proclaim Jesus is Lord. If you notice in verse 3, he says, No one in the Spirit is ever able to say Jesus is a curse, and no one is able to say that has a, or, And everyone who has a Spirit says Jesus is Lord. We say that in the Spirit. Jesus is Lord. It's because of the Spirit we say that. One of the primary roles of the Spirit is to proclaim and reveal Christ. Is one of the primary means. Do not forget that as we go through this message. Remember, Spirit is given to the church to proclaim and reveal Christ. In John 15, 26, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. The Spirit's going to come as a helper to the church, and he's going to bear witness about Christ. In Acts chapter 1-8, when Jesus has the disciples, he's gathered them all together, and he says, the Spirit will come upon you, that you will be my witnesses in all the world. We're going to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. We'll speak of Jesus Christ. The Spirit is given that we proclaim Christ. So as we go through, remember, the Spirit is given to proclaim and reveal Christ. And as we go into verses 4 through 6, we see the triune God reveals himself in a variety of ways in the life of a believer. If you notice, it says there are a variety of gifts, same Spirit, varieties of service, same Lord, varieties of activities, same God. It's the same God who empowers All the gifts, services, and activities. What we see is God, our triune God, is a diverse God. He loves diversity and He loves gifting individuals, believers, in diverse ways. So you see, it's silly to take one or two gifts and say, this is the mark of a believer. If you have tongues, you're the mark of a believer. What 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 Paul is saying is God loves diversity. He gifts in many diverse ways. How can you say only because you have this gift you're a believer? And if you don't have this gift, you are not a believer. In verses eight through ten, Paul lists out just many different gifts. Is a prophecy, knowledge, uh, interpretation of tongues, tongues, miracles. He just lists them out. He says, God loves to gift the church in a variety of ways. It is unbiblical to say whether someone is a believer because of the presence or absence of a gift. It is unbiblical. If any church says you have to have the gift of tongues to truly be a believer, it is unbiblical. It goes exactly against the entire argument. Paul, who's inspired by the Spirit of God, is writing about. The presence or absence of a gift does not determine whether we are a believer. What we know is when we come to verse 7, where it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what we see, the truth is, the Spirit of God reveals himself in every individual in a variety of ways for the benefit of the whole. Let me repeat that. The Spirit of God reveals Himself in every individual in a variety of ways for the benefit of the whole. So I want to unpack kind of verses 7 through 11, primarily verse 7, primarily 11. But let's walk through, because I think, I think that verse in this portion is extremely important for us understanding. Yes, I'm going to keep this water ball closed, so I hope this doesn't distract you. But I need it today. This is actually a birthday gift for my wife. Isn't that nice? Aww, yeah. (laughs) I need it. She didn't know I needed it so much this week. So, number one, the Spirit of God gifts every individual believer. So, this is truth, this is the reality of God's Word. We can't walk away from the reality of God's Word today in ignorance because now you know every individual is gifted by the Spirit. Don't, don't glaze over that. If you are here and you've testified Jesus is Lord, you do that because the Spirit is in you and the Spirit gifts you. So if you're a believer, you're gifted. You are gifted if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, meaning you have been given a spiritual gift. And there's only about 22 gifts listed in Scripture. But don't think that we're limited to 22 gifts. They just didn't write out probably the other 978 of them. There's probably a thousand or thousands of gifts. There's many, many, many gifts. The writers never tried to exhaustively cover all the gifts. They just wrote about the gifts. In fact, I love Peter in his letter in 1 Peter 4. He just says, look, there's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. There's a bunch of them. Use them for the glory of God. So he summarizes them in two categories. You're either going to be speaking or you're going to be serving. There might even be some kind of combination of both in there, but... Use them for the glory of God. So, hear this. If you're a believer, you are gifted. Don't deny that. Don't say, well, I don't feel gifted. God's Word, which is authoritative, says you are gifted because you've been filled with the Spirit. Number two, the Spirit of God gifts you for the benefit of the church. In verse 7, when it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, that's what it means. For the benefit of the church. You've been gifted, for the benefit of the church, to build up the church. If, um, let me read 1 Corinthians 14. Again, chapter 12, 13, and 14 is all Paul addressing um, the Corinthians about spiritual gifts. In chapters 14 and 15, he gets into a lot of details about tongue speaking and prophesying. And in 14, verses 4 and 5, he writes, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies, listen, is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Well, why, Paul? Because unless someone interprets, so the church may be built up. When we prophesy, when we proclaim the word of God, people are built up. We're strengthened in that. It's a gift that's able to be shared to lift up the believer. But if I speak in a tongue, in another language, and there's no interpreter, and you have no idea what I'm saying, you are not built up. The whole purpose of gifts, when we come together as a body, is for the building up of the church. Now, he's not saying it has no individual um, a benefit. Sure, if you speak in tongues, that may be an individual benefit to you, which, yes, then in an indirect way will come to benefit the church. But he's saying when we gather together, the purpose of church is for the, or the purpose of gifts is the building up of the body of the church. Primary purpose is to build up and serve the church. So the Corinthians have completely missed the boat. They're using gifts as a means to divide the church. You see see what's happening here? They're taking gifts and saying, well, we have this gift, so we're better. And then these people, and these people don't have these gifts, so they feel inferior. So now they're being divided rather than the gifts that have been given to them to be used for the benefit of the church. And if you look, it can happen today as well. It can happen as well today. We can divide, and we can think certain people are superior or inferior or certain groups. Some people can say, wow, the pastor's up there speaking. I think that's a neat position, Or we can think of certain other positions, say that's really good, that's really gifted, and we can begin to divide on that, rather than being united because of that. Let's recap, if you are a believer, you are gifted to build up the church. So one of the questions we have to ask ourselves, okay, I'm a believer, how am I serving the church? If you're here today, how are you serving Timberline? And don't limit yourself to these walls. We live outside of these walls six and a half days. Don't limit yourself to these walls. We're only here for a couple hours once a week. How do you benefit the church? You may do it here. It's great. I love how, have you noticed every door has greeters at it? Have you noticed that? That's new. That's amazing. I love that. And yet, that's that's. That's the gift of, of, of um, encouragement right there. And we have James, I think, was over here. I think I saw um, uh, Jim and, and uh, man, now I'm blanking while I'm starting to say people's names. So other people are at the front door, and someone else is over here. That's why you shouldn't say names from up front. Then you, you get in front, and I'm going to apologize deeply later. Sandy, see, it comes. Just takes a moment. It's the water. Yeah, Dale, I don't know what I'm... I have a head cold. <laughs> My gift is not a name remembering. That's maybe one of your gifts. How are you serving the body? It can be here in this building. That, that can be one way. How are we serving outside? How are we come alongside believers and serving one another and serving the community that we, that we live in? Next one, the Spirit of God is the one who determines and empowers the gifts of every believer. Go down to verse 11. This is huge. All these, all these spiritual gifts, the ones he's listed and so many more, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You see how Paul emphasized the oneness of the Spirit? The one and the same Spirit? Like, he's making sure all these gifts it's all by the same Spirit. Just because you got the gift of tongues doesn't mean another Spirit came to you, a higher Spirit, and now you have that gift. And the people over here with the greeting ministry and maybe the preaching ministry, you know, is a much lower spirit. No, his emphasis is the same Spirit empowering them all. There's one Spirit. So Paul's driving home the fact also that this one Spirit is the one who empowers every single gift. Isn't that great news? So God gifts you, and you say, "Oh well, man, I don't know how to use that gift, or I'm not a good preacher, or, or I'm, I can't greet people, or I'm not good at serving, or I'm not good at this kind of helps or, or things." And God's, God says, "Well, I gave you my Spirit to empower you. Also, I didn't just give you a gift so you would like try to use it. I gave you my Spirit, who gifts you to use it and empowers you. Isn't that amazing? You're not alone." You're never alone as a believer. His Spirit is a person who dwells inside of you and empowers the gifts that He has given you. And today we're not really going over all the types of gifts. We're not trying to get into the, the nitty gritty details of gifts. We're staying more on the broad picture. But no, whatever gifts you have, you're empowered by, it. and you might not know that you're gifted right now in certain areas. That's a great way to pray. Great way to pray, Spirit, have you gifted me? Begin revealing to me how am I gifted, because I know. You've been given to me also, Spirit, that that you would empower these gifts that you've given me. So know that you are empowered by the Spirit and your gifts are divinely determined by the Spirit. Don't miss that. He doesn't only empower you, but look at the end of verse 11. As He wills. You want to know why you have the gifts that you do? As he wills. You have the gifts that the Spirit said, I want you to have. And I gifted you in these variety of ways. And you're strong in these areas, weaker in these areas. And this other person is strong in these areas, weaker in these areas. And and, and we're led to believe that even at the end of chapter 12, remember he says, pursue other gifts. Pursue our gifts. We might not be limited to the gifts we have right now. Potentially, we may be able to gain more gifts. But what he's saying is that they're given to us by God. Why is the Corinthians boasting about tongue speaking? It was given to them. Why are they boasting as if they're better than group two, the outer circle who doesn't speak in tongues, when it was a gift? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4-7, early in the letter, this is what Paul writes. What do you have that you do not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? We boast in things we earn, we achieve. We can't really boast in what's just freely, graciously, lavishly given to us. Because spiritual gifts are an act of grace, it eliminates the boasting in them. Don't go around, oh, I have the gift of preaching, I am so amazing. Know it, it's a gift. I have the gift of serving. Wow, that's so amazing. It's a gift. And less, less love that God has given them. But they're not a means of boasting in ourselves, but merely a means of boasting in Christ and what He has given us, making much of Him. It would be foolish to me, for me to be able to preach or to boast in preaching, it'd be foolish, as Mike was up here, or as Jessica has been up here, leading music, or a Steph at times, or, or Rachel who's leading, or, or, um, or we here on the drums, I'm blanking on John, on drums. It's terrible. You say, wow, look at our musical abilities. We are so amazing when they come from God as a gift. You can't boast in a gift. It's all point. It's a gift. It's gracious. It's lavished upon you. The Corinthians have missed it. They're dividing and boasting in what is meant to unite and provide and promote humility. So do not think more highly of yourself because of what gift you have. Do not think more highly of yourself. The body does not, the church does not consist of one member. It consists of many. So that's that's the message going out to group one, the inner circle, the tongue speaking. Do not boast in yourself. Do not boast in what you have. Of course, the message going out to group two, the outer circle, the one that feels more inferior, the, the group that does not speak in tongues, is you are not inferior. You are not inferior. There's no superior, inferior Christian. There is no sensational, non-sensational gifts. Those are stupid words used to describe gifts because they're all empowered by the supernatural spirit. How dare we say one is greater than the other? How dare we be the ones to say, well, this is much more sensational. Ones may be more outward than others. Let's not say more sensational. That undergirds superiority and inferiority right there. We simply have been gifted in a variety of ways by the one same spirit who empowers them all as he wills. The message to group one, who thinks they have the tongue, who speaks in tongues, is you are not superior. Do not boast in what you have as a gift from God. To group two, who doesn't speak in tongues, oh, you are very much loved by God too. You are not inferior. You are very much loved and have been gifted by the same spirit as he wills. So let's be careful that we don't complain about the gifts we have or don't have. Have you ever done that? You ever said, man, I really wish I had that gift. And and you don't say it more like, it would be fun to have that gift. I really wish I could have that gift so I could better serve the body also. But it's, I'm jealous because they have that gift and I want that gift. Or maybe it's, I know God has given me this gift. I really don't want to use it. I don't like it at all. I don't want to use these gifts. Let us be very careful that we don't do that. For when we complain, about the gifts that we have. We're complaining about the sovereign will of God. He's the one who's given them according to his will. If we're saying, I should have had that gift, I really want that gift, I'm jealous I don't have that gift, in fact, I'm a little bit bitter towards it, I'm complaining about the goodness of God. I'm saying, God, you're not that good. Maybe you messed up on gift gift distribution day. You were supposed to give me this gift. I didn't get that gift. I wanted that gift. Who's the fault? You're the one who gives them. You see how automatically we can begin to blame God and question his goodness, question his sovereignty? And we can desire other gifts. We can desire them if we desire them for the benefit of the body. And if we notice that there's an area we're lacking in the church, we might want to pray, God, either bring in people, they're a gift in that area or raise up people to be gifted in that area for the benefit of the church. But so often we, we can complain about the gifts we have and in doing so, we're complaining about God. We're saying he is not good enough. Now for me, I've often desired that I would have a better singing voice. If, if you have been near me when I sing, it's usually a little off key and maybe perhaps sound like a car with a loose belt. If you know what that is, you know it's not good. In fact, I have a car with a loose belt right now, so I'm regularly humbled by the fact when I'm in a parking lot and it starts squealing and I just kind of duck down in the drive away. I I would love the gift of singing. I would love to have a good voice, to be able to to be with the church and be able to praise God with a good voice. I would love that. Um, God in his divine will has chosen not to give me that. Now, I have asked for that. I may have demanded it at times, I've repented of that, but, um, but he hasn't given me a good voice to, to sing with at all, <laughs> at all. Um, and, and through time, though, I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay. Like, I still would like it, and maybe, maybe by his grace, when I'm, like, about to die, he may, like, change it. I'm like, oh, it's really good. I have a good voice. Um, but he may not. What I've learned, though, Is that there's others that have really good voices. And I need them around me. The fact that we have different gifts promotes our unity and necessity of one another. For where you are strong, I may be weak. And where you are weak, I may be strong. But together, we are strong because we're gifted. And where I'm weak, you're strong. Where Where you're strong, where you're weak, I may be strong. And that's, that's what Paul gets into. We're gonna, we're gonna dig in now to verses 12 and 13. This is foundation to this whole passage. 12 and 13 is foundation. Verses 1 through 11 have been making their way to verses 12 through 13. They've been laying out a foundation. In verses 1 through 11, the word Spirit has been used nine times saying, look, gifts come from the Spirit. Gifts come from the Spirit, from the same, one same Spirit. He empowers them. It's His will. So He's really laying the foundation. All gifts are given by the Spirit. And verses 14 through 31 are going to build out of verses 12 through 13. So it's it's pivotal that we understand these two verses. So we're going to take them one at a time. We're going to read verse 12. We're going to unpack that. Then we're going to go to verse 13. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Paul is trying to help the Corinthians better understand the church and how it functions, so therefore he turns to the human body, and in essence he says the human body is made up of many members that form one body. Okay, we, have, we have legs, eyes, ears, nose, toes, fingers, and we can just kind of list them all, but I think you get the point. You have lots of different parts. Inside parts and outside parts, right? And we have organs working inside us too. They're all different. They all have different functions. My hand does a lot different things than my eye does. And they all together form one body. Your leg does not stand off by itself and say, I'm a body, That'd be weird. Legs don't speak. I mean, he couldn't do that. It'd be ridiculous. The leg is joined with other different members to form one body. So now get this. Paul, at the end of verse 12, he says, so it is with Christ. Christ. I think about that. Does that sentence, does that phrase make sense in the context? What have we been talking about? We're talking about the church. We're talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about the Spirit has gifted believers who formed the church. That we would have gifts. And now he says, well, we're, we all have different body parts that make up one body. So it is with Christ. Shouldn't he have said so it is with the church? Shouldn't he have said church? I mean, did, did he mess up? Like, this kind of comes very unexpected here. You're not expecting to see the word Christ. He says, so it is with Christ. He doesn't say church, he says Christ. This is massive here. We can't just glaze over this. Paul knows exactly what he's speaking. Remember, Bible is authoritative, inspired word of God. Paul is inspired as he writes. So Paul has said, Every believer is a member of a body, and the body is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. See, we throw that around a lot. Like, we're a body. We're the body of Christ. But this is massive. He's saying, you are the body of Christ. Your many members are forming one body. So the point is, as the human body is made up of many diverse members, so the body of Christ is made up of many diverse members. The reason we are all gifted differently is for the very same reason you have different body parts. Every believer, every member is uniquely gifted so that they form the body of Christ and help it to function properly. Paul's not just using a metaphor. This isn't a metaphor or an analogy. It's not his point. Look at verse 27. As clear as Paul can say, in black and white words, on your page says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Does that sound metaphorical to you? You are are the body of Christ. And who's he speaking to? One church at Corinth. So, so digest that. Think that through. The church at Corinth is the body of Christ, which means the church at Ephesus is the body of Christ. The church at Smyrna is the body of Christ. The church at Timberline is the body of Christ. That's huge. We are the body of Christ. We are a local, the local gathering of believers is the local body of Christ. The church is the tangible body of Christ in this world. It's we reflect Christ in how we live, how we function together in a large setting like this, and how we function together as we go off, and, and maybe we, we're with each other in groups or pairs or even individually. We represent Christ because we are his body. Now, let's not get into silly conversations thinking, well, does that mean there's hundreds and thousands of bodies of Christ all around the world, and what does that mean? It's not the point. The point is, a local body of believers is the body of of Christ. So he's looking at Corinth, a divisive body, a divisive church. And he says, Don't you know? You've been gifted not to create disunity, but you've been gifted in all these variety of ways. So you'd work together because you are the body of Christ. It's at this point I went back to verses one, two, and three, where Paul is saying when you were a pagan, when you were an unbeliever, you didn't understand these things. You were ignorant of this stuff. But as a believer, we can't be ignorant. He said, I want you to know. We have to know. You have the Spirit of Christ that we would proclaim Christ. <coughs> we cannot be ignorant of this. And if you're a believer here, <laughs> good news is, you, you, you can't walk out of this room ignorant of this unless if somehow you've successfully tuned me out, which I've been told I'm a loud person, so that's a little bit hard. You as we come together, we're the body of Christ. Let's go to verse 13. Four, the word four helps us understand we're getting explanation here. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So Paul seems to be explaining how individual believers become a part of the body of Christ. And at salvation, he says, in one spirit, we're baptized into the body. Possibly the word baptism here refers to um, water baptism, but what we know is water baptism is the outward demonstration of our faith. Probably not what he's referring to here. Could be. This is a pretty controversial passage. But what it seems is that Paul is saying is that upon salvation, through the one spirit, we're baptized in the body of Christ. When you receive Christ, you are indwelt by the Spirit. He regenerates your spirit. He makes you into a new creation and you become a part of the body of Christ. And Paul is not just saying this applies to the Corinthians. This is why he says to the Jews, to the Greeks, to, this, to, the, uh, to the slaves and to the free, saying every believer who believes in Jesus Christ becomes a part of the body of Christ. Every believer, not just Jews, not just Greeks, not just slaves, not just free, not white, not black, not Chinese. I mean, not pick your color, your ethnicity. Everyone, by believing in the body, by believing in Jesus Christ, is, is through the Spirit baptized into the one body of Christ. And then in verses 14 through 31... Paul is not going to use the word spirit once. He'll use the word body 15 times to drive home to this Corinthian church. By one spirit, you've been baptized into one body. Spirit applies nine times in verses 1 through 11, just driving home. Everything comes by the spirit. In verses 14 through 15, driving home, the spirit has made us into one body and showing us what that looks like. Remember earlier, Primary role of the Spirit is what? To proclaim and reveal Jesus Christ. How does he do that? He brings every single believer into the body of Christ that we would what? Reflect Christ in all we do. See the massive way the Spirit does that? This isn't a small way that he proclaims Christ or reveals Christ. He's gifted us all so we work together for the building up of the body to reflect Christ, to proclaim Christ in all that we do. So what I want to do is I want to walk through implications of this. And we we could come up with a list of implications. I had a much larger list, Try to condense, Try to summarize. Um, One day we'll come back and we'll preach through this passage again and we'll do it more and we'll do it slower. Um, So we have four implications. And um, I just want to remind us, as we read, let us then rejoice. Let's rejoice. God has made us into the body of Christ. Let's think, how do we respond to this? In faith. In faith, how do we respond? So implication number one, you have, you have been saved by grace to be a part of the body of Christ. I know it sounds redundant, but we can't miss it. I don't want you walking away from here, not just getting this driven home. You have been saved by grace to be a part of the body of Christ. I hope you see how Christianity flies in the face of deism. Like Deism is the belief that God created the world like a clock. He wound it up, he set it aside, and he walked away. And it just runs, and he has nothing to do with it. That's deism. Is that what this sounds like? Is that what chapter 12 sounds like? Rather, what we have is a God who made the world, sin enters the world, He sends His Son into the world, that by dying on a cross, everyone who believes in Him is given the Spirit of God to be made into the body of Christ. Does that sound like deism? I mean, God is intimately connected with His creation, and He loves His children. He loves you. He lavishes grace upon grace upon grace upon grace on you. I love Ephesians two seven, where it says, "In Christ, God forever into all eternity will continue to lavish grace upon you. Never ever does He stop." Amen. Indeed, Roger. Amen. That's good news. He's intimately involved in creation, and He intimately loves the church. It's his body it's his body he loves the church no you are loved by God loves so much he gives you his spirit gifts you empowers you and makes you into the body of Christ that you reveal Christ he has entrusted the church with how he looks here on earth you get that with it tangible body of Christ. Oh, He loves us. Be blown away by the love of Christ there. Just soak it in. Implication number two. You're gifted to help the body of Christ function and look beautiful. You're gifted to help the body function. Do not think because you're an eye or your mouth or a hand, you're not part of the body. That's what he talks about. Every diverse member is needed in order for the body to function. Just look at your own body. What part do you want to do away with? Which one? I don't think any of us want to like start severing limbs. We like all of our body parts. Some we want to look a little different maybe at times. We like them all. Christ has made every member to be in His body, that His body would function correctly. Think about it. If we were all a bunch of eyes, we would be gross looking. <laughs> you think about it. Like imagine if that's how He phrased it. And Paul says, you know, and then as, as the body, uh, as the church is like a giant eye, and you're just this bunch of eyes all glued together. I don't even really know. That's just disgusting. We're not some like. Giant cyclops looking creature, or some I don't even know. We all have different parts, whether it's knuckles and toes, knees and elbows, necks and love handles, whatever. I don't know if we can say the body of Christ is love handles, that might be sacrilegious. Might have to take that out. Um, But it's so we function. So we function. Everyone is gifted, therefore everyone is needed. What part do you want just to stop working on your body? You know when it does, don't you? Aches and pains. That's what happens in the church. Also, we're missing something. There's aches and pains. We need everyone to be involved, that we function. And that we appear beautiful. Because it's as the body works together in love and humility, we We reveal Christ. We need all of us working together. That we beautifully represent Christ here on this earth. Implication number three, we are uniquely gifted in order for there to be unity and love within the body. Look at verses 24 through 25. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there be that there may be no division in the body that the members may have the same care for one another you see what happened god composed the body differently not so there be divert not so there'd be disunity but that there'd be unity and that there would be great care and love given to each other it's because we are diverse we are able to be united Our diversity points to the fact that we need one another. Legs do not operate by themselves. Arms do not accomplish anything if they're amputated and thrown over there in the corner. That's just gross and disgusting. We need to be working together. There's necessity here. Our diversity is why we have unity. And it's God. God is the one who has composed us. He's the one who has done it. And he's done this so it promotes love for one another. Notice, it says, when one of our members suffer, what happens? We, what? We all suffer. When one rejoices, what? We all we all rejoice. If, if I was to take a hammer, I was nailing a piece of wood, and I hit my finger, I may say, ouch, my finger, but would it not be just as true to say, ouch, my body? Would it not be the exact same thing? For my whole body is surging in pain. It may be precisely my finger, but my whole body shares in that pain. And when I get a foot massage, which is so rare, trust me, my whole body rejoices. It's just like, oh, it's amazing. This week, I know, I know it. This week, just just this week alone, meals were taken to people here at Timberline. Um, Encouragement was given to people here at Timberline. I know prayers were given on behalf of people. He was functioning. Like people were using their gifts and meeting other needs in the body this week. That's amazing. We were suffering with those who were suffering, coming alongside and encouraging. And those who were rejoicing, we were coming alongside and rejoicing. We do not need to be jealous of one another. My finger is not jealous when my nose smells apple pie. It's not. My finger's grabbed. to grab the apple pie. We don't need to be jealous of one another. Rather we rejoice. You are gifted differently and I'm so happy you are because if we all looked like me we would be really messed up. We would. We need difference. We need the variety. All empowered by the same spirit that we have this unity and this love with one another. I'm so glad that we're different. I'm so glad that in this room we have you know, 80 or so people with 80 different sets of gifts. Yes, there's overlapping but there's different strengths and and abilities. Let us celebrate the body of Christ. Let's not be jealous of it. Number four, because we are the body of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are to reveal Christ to our community. See, a failure to understand what Paul is talking about, about spiritual gifts, is really a failure to understand how the church has been composed. Because this is far greater than only spiritual gifts. We have been given the spirit of God, gifted by God, so there'd be unity, there'd be love, there'd be the sharing of gifts, so we would reveal Christ to the community we are in. Just as he said to Corinth, you are the body of Christ at Timberline, we are the body of Christ that Lacey is going to see. Yes, there's other, there's other churches too. I'm not saying that they're not, and we're better than them, I'm not saying that at all, but we're, we're in... 6628 Mullen Road, Southeast, 98503. And in our area, we are the body of Christ. And later today, I'm going to have some people at my house, and we're going to be a, a smaller part of that body. And you might have people at your house, or you might get together on Wednesday night when Rich's group gets together. We get together, and we're revealing Christ. When we go out into this community, we're revealing Christ. A failure to understand that I know many of you know churches have split before. Rarely do churches split because of good reasons. Rarely do they split for good reasons. Usually it's always because of sin and division. But we are given, and and, and when that happens, the community around the church is who's affected. A lot of times we think it's only the church, only those inside these walls. Like news, news doesn't go outside these walls. The community watches. And when churches split many times over decades the community sees the body of Christ divided and divided and divided and divided and and don't think that doesn't affect them. See, if we're going to be a church in a community calling people to have faith in Christ, what does the community, what does the body of Christ look like that we're calling them to? In the book, Everyday Church, which we went through, the author wrote, often unbelievers will first be attracted to to the community of believers before they're attracted to the community's message. Now think about that. The community around us may first be attracted to the fact of the way this body operates and just love and humility and they see when sin comes up, forgiveness and grace are lavished upon it. There's unity and and we're all different. We got military, non-military and all the weird, crazy dynamics that brings. Old and young and young And they say, How do they work together? How do they love one another so well? The body of Christ is a powerful testimony and witness to this world. Timberline. We must understand this message. We are gifted by the Spirit of God to be joined to the body of the Son of God so the world would see Christ and God would be glorified. You don't need a spiritual gift test. Paul didn't send, with his letter to Corinth, a Scantron with an 80 question test for them to decipher their spiritual gifts now I'm not saying those things are terrible but I think sometimes we think that's the only way we can know our gifts you've been gifted by the spirit if you pray and ask the spirit he'll reveal it to you trust me he will that's a prayer he wants to answer he wants you to be active in the body so if you pray later today God I know you've gifted me by your spirit that I would serve the body how can I begin doing that and then you begin walking obediently in faith don't just sit there but then walk and, and look, where can I serve? Where are the needs? What can I do? God will show you. And, and let's say you, you choose the wrong one at first. Guess what? God's Spirit's good. He's going to help you know that. And he's going to use other believers too to come alongside you and, and to help shape and guide and direct. So often I think we, we, we totally forget that we're empowered by the Spirit. We so often forget that we have the Spirit in us, guiding us, directing us. We don't think he's actually going to do it. I'll just wait here until somebody comes and asks me to serve. I'll just wait. I'm being obedient. No, it's not obedient. We to go and serve. Not wait to go and serve. You are gifted. Let us go find those ways. Let us experiment. Let us trust that the Spirit is going to direct us. You are gifted. Let us walk by faith, knowing that the Spirit is going to guide us. I want to prove this to you Right now. The Spirit does guide us. I want to prove this to you. You're going like, how's he going to prove this? I'm sure all you know Phil Stone. uh, He's been uh, attending Timberline for almost 15 years. It's pretty neat. Like 15 years here. Not a lot of people are at, at one local body for 15 years. He served here for at least six years. He began uh, with just in the youth group, then he began an intern, and then about two and a half years ago, he became the youth pastor here at Timberline. Phil, you, if you want, Jesse, you guys want to, want to come up? So, years ago, Phil has. Uh, sure. I'm sure Ron will know it when they have. Um, Phil, knowing that he's been gifted by the Spirit began using his gifts here at this local body. He's volunteered with the youth group. He's interned. He became the youth pastor. And the whole time, using his gifts, refining his gifts, being directed by the Spirit, where he should serve, how he should serve, uh, that he would build, encourage, and help form this body. It's amazing. God has used him as he used others to help build and form the body. And he's done that in a great way through Phil. And it's been one of my greatest privileges for the last year. I've been here for, I think, 14 months to work alongside of him. And and there's many gifts that Phil has. Two stick out to me. Number one, he loves to encourage. And and if you know Phil, you know that. Because I think every time I've been in a room with Phil, at some moment, within a few words, somehow he encourages me. And I always feel like so, it just just comes out. I'm like, wow, he just encourages. It's like this humbling, amazing gift that, that you have. And I love that. And I envy that jealous of it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, least division, that's bad. Um, but it's good. And he also, so he's used that, I know, not only for me, but for others, to build up the body. But he's also used the gift of preaching. If you know Phil, he, he's been preaching, and I think he would say the same as me, so I think I can say this. When I first started preaching, I was terrible. It was terrible. And, and it was actually until I took a preaching class, I was like, oh, there's like points. And there's a way to actually do this a little bit better. Um, And as you have heard, because I think you'll testify like about 20 times or so, he's preached. It's just, it's just been amazing work of grace as he stands before this body, encouraging and lifting up this body by the word of God, every time growing more and more and more comfortable. Phil and his wife are an amazing example of what we desire every believer to do. Now, I'm not saying every believer be in a full-time ministry position like this. But using their gifts for the benefit of the church. That's what we desire every believer to do. And my desire is to come alongside you, and I know the elders want to come alongside you, and we want to keep raising up more and more leaders to come alongside, help people understand their gifts and to use their gifts here. Um, but there also comes a time when sometimes we realize certain people have been gifted in amazing and extraordinary ways, and they're called to be sent out. And what we see, we see that in the book of Acts. We see that the, the gospel spreads throughout the world, as, the, as they describe it, as continually. Disciples are being made, sent out from local churches to go where either there is no church or to go and strengthen another body that the gospel would still proclaim, that people are being sent out and... Uh, God is glorified. And so with that, I want to... um, Phil's going to share some words now. So I want to turn this over to Phil.
1: Thanks, Nick. Many of you have known me since uh, my family first moved here from Texas when I was nine years old, and we started coming to Timberline. And a lot of you have actually poured into me Sunday school teachers and uh, VBS workers, people working in the student ministry, um, and then many people who are also not with us here today for a number of reasons. Uh, God has them sent out in other areas or have passed away. Um, but one reason or another, I just want to thank you, first and foremost, all of you, because that um, I, I would not be encouraged to have gotten into the ministry that God has placed me in had it not been for your pouring into me over those years. And, I, and I'm especially thankful for my parents and family um, and their guidance for me, raising me up in a Christian home and showing me Jesus um, with skin on. And it's been my deepest delight to be a part of this church with you. Um, And so I just want to thank everyone that has been a part of that for me and just coming around, especially as Jess has come here and uh, really just taking us in and loving us like family. There have been amazing times over the last six years with youth ministry at Timberline and I mean, I'm just going to always remember just a number of them. I mean, I'll mention a few, but this is not an exhaustive list by any means Um, right off the bat. I'm just going to especially cherish the times at man camp, out with the group of guys and just getting to see what they're like for a portion of time longer than, than just in a couple hours here, a couple hours there, and, and really pour into, you know, what does the Bible show us that godly men are? And, you know, of course, I love all the fun that we had shooting at each other, with paintball guns and things, too. A lot of welts that I've come away from. I actually hate paintball to this day. And they love it. I don't know what they love about it. They love to hurt each other. I guess that's it. But uh, I will always treasure the moments that have been there. The night hikes. Just getting to go be in God's creation at a very different time. Whenever you see the world in a different manner. um, Seeing creation like that. And being able to just reflect on those things with guys. And then... Go to the scriptures from that. It's amazing to me. I will always remember uh, getting to baptize gaily, destiny, and Christian. And that was one of the deepest, most cherished moments in my life, getting to be a part of. And I thank you for your commitment to Christ and your commitment to uh, the body of believers. And I want to encourage you more than ever to go deeper be involved in the body in the larger context don't only feel like you have to be involved with just people your age like Nick said and and we've read in the passage of scripture the body is one body we can't separate it out to only be like people over here focusing on attention being around each other only and then never connecting to the rest of the body it doesn't make sense plug in, go deep My heart is abundantly happy for the privilege to see how you all and the whole of the students in the youth group have grown in the knowledge of the truth. I love you, and I'm blessed to have received the chance to know you be your pastor. But today I want to bring to everybody in this body's attention something that God has been doing in my own heart. Uh, over the last year and a half, I have sensed the Holy Spirit moving me, beginning to clarify the gifts and strengths that he's given me, as well as the desires that I have regarding ministry. And God has shown me that as people learn and grow, their desires and passions tend to grow and change with them. And, and that's not a bad thing. Sometimes things just, it takes time being able to come into clearer focus. And I believe that that's very much what God has been doing uh, for me as I've served here in youth ministry. Over the last month, Spirit's made it clear to the leadership of this body of believers that it's time for me to step down from youth ministry so that I might pursue the gifts and passions, the strengths and desires that God is giving me. And so at the end of May, I'll be stepping down as the youth pastor of Timberline And I just want to thank you all for your love for me and Jess and uh, the opportunity to learn and grow and be able to pursue more schooling and be able to preach. It's been genuinely my deepest honor and privilege to have gotten that experience. And I thank you for your tender care and your genuineness. I want to always encourage you to have that with whoever comes into this body, whether they are on in a pastoral role or if they're coming in it's their first time ever coming through the, the doors or the doors of your house, wherever you are. Love them with the genuineness and care that you've shown me because that if you continue to do that, you will be strengthening the body. That is my encouragement to you. I love you all and hold you very dear to my heart. Thank you.
0: We wanted to take a few moments and let each, which one do you use? Um, And let each of our elders uh, just speak words of affirmation and love uh, to Phil and Jessica. So I'm going to hand it to to Bill to start with.
2: Always the encourager. That is Phil, I'm telling you. Um, You know, this is a, it's, it's a difficult time because Phil's family. Uh i 've known Phil for a very long time and uh um, and the fact that uh, I was in the the youth room for a while and he's still stuck with ministry is is really a testament to him because i 'm not that smart <laughs> and um uh, but I, I i just i come up here just walking up here i 'm just flooded with so many memories and um and it's it's just neat to see you grow it is so uh, amazing to see this uh everything that's transpiring and taking place and uh and just how we can come alongside you um i I can only hope that uh we can continue to be uh uh, mentors in in some way but you know i feel like you just you've grown up right before us and uh you're not just the young boy that's in inside that room but you're a man you're a husband you're going to be a father um, and you're a peer and so that's huge and so I just, I, I, I look forward to opportunities just to, just to continue to grow with you, my brother and my sister. Um, and so any, anything that we can, if you really have a question of me, I, I encourage you to ask Rich, because he's the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I just, I'm always here for you. Thanks, brother. All right. Kurt?
3: Fish on. <laughs> Um, I truly want to thank God for providing us with Phil. We've been truly blessed here to have him. Uh, I think that through his dedication to the word and to us, we've truly become more of a family of God. And in return, Will have matured and become more godly, and I believe that God, through the Holy Spirit, is always pushing the envelope for us to do things that we couldn't do or wouldn't do. So, as someone once said, "Nothing is constant but God and change." So we have to follow what he would have to do, and I pray to God for that. You know, as uh,
4: <laughs> as children, we had dreams of what we want to do in life, and then as we get to be adolescents, we kind of have new dreams, and... When we get to the adulthood, you know, we, we're, we're in the world, we're doing what we got to do and those childhood things and adolescent things are history for the most part. But what's so warm and beautiful and loving about this young man here is that the Spirit touched his heart uh, as a child. When Don and I were doing children's church years ago, he would come down and he would help us and he had a gift of being able to take these little three- or four-year-olds and, and be able to quiet their hearts, have them sit still, and be able to take the lesson and relate it to them in a way as they could understand it. And he worked with us for a few years, but Donna and I watched Phil grow and mature. And it was just beautiful to see the Spirit still in his heart, but he wanted to work with the young teens. He wanted to get into the youth. And for years he worked with the youth and even matured and grew into being the youth pastor. And, and it's just just wonderful. And, and the spirit is staying with them, and the spirit is continuing to grow as gifts. And, and it's been said, well, already, all you've got to do is sit back and, and listen to this young man, deliver a passage, deliver a message, the, the wealth of, of the, the book of the Spirit, the word. And his ability to deliver that. The good Lord, the Spirit's got, you know, plans for you. Maybe we don't know what they are yet, uh, but they're on the way. And just his passion for, for everybody. I, I pass him in the hospital when I go to visit somebody. I don't know, did you get out to Black Lake? And lead? He he led a breakout session at the men's retreat out at Black Lake this weekend. So this man is all over the place doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like the way Kurt said that, you know, the Spirit kind of pushes the envelope on us. And there will be days of anxiety, there will be days of burdens, but uh, just let me tell you that Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord, all you do, and your plans will be successful. And the word commit, you know, roll onto the Lord, your burdens, your anxieties as you go forward because nothing is too big for him. Praise the Lord for this young man. Keep him in your prayers. Thank you.
0: One thing that I've... Uh, I'm going to switch sides with you. One thing that I've appreciated with Phil and uh, I especially want the students to hear this and, and even, even adults he never looked at youth pastoring as a stepping stone. Um, that was something that he, that I even shared with him in the very beginning, because I, I shared with him kind of my life, and, and he, he from the very beginning was saying, you know, I, I never looked at youth ministry as a stepping stone. He saw himself as, as serving in the youth ministry role, and if that was the last 10, 20, or 30 years, then he was going to be serving in there with all his heart. Um, and so I love that about him. So I want you to know as students, he is not becoming more mature because he's working with a different age group. In fact, the age group he, he's desiring to work more with is sometimes less mature. <laughs> so, you know, as adults, we struggle. It's tough. So I don't ever want, you know, as students to think that. And as adults, is not, you know, as he's looking more at, you know, adult ministry and areas like that, that doesn't mean he's matured more. It means that God is, is shaping him continually with his gifts, and that's the beautiful thing, is that God has gifted him, empowering him to use his gifts. And that's, that's what I'm excited about, because I'm excited about how God's going to use you, and how he's going to guide, and what even the path looks like as it begins to go forward. Um, so we wanted to uh, give a gift. I have a box. It's a brown box. Um, but we gave uh, the entire New Testament commentary series, of uh, the Exposers Bible Commentary, so we wanted you to have that. Um, Phil doesn't have, um, he's got a lot of books, but um, doesn't have much of a a library that he's been establishing himself, and not many commentaries that he's chosen. Uh, A lot of ones have been given to him, and so I'll just leave it at that. They've been given to him, but uh, we desire, as you continue to... um, want to proclaim God's word. Uh, and this is just a small token. We just want to be able to help provide resources. So this is um, not just, it's, it's not really, I mean, it's a token of our thanks, but it, it there's no way of saying how thankful we are, but it's also a token and a, um, a demonstration of, uh, we want to walk with you this entire process. Uh, you're family and, and you're a brother in Christ and brother with everyone here. And as we leave Uh, And and there's going to be times in military, we we get that when they leave, that's that's one thing, but other times believers leave, but when staff leaves, we want to make sure we're coming alongside always. It's never a, there's the door and good luck, but it's, we're with you the entire time, and we're walking, and we want to supply resources, we'll be in prayer for you, as I know the church will be, because he's family, and we never become unfamily when we become family, and we become family in the family of God, that's an eternal family. I hope you get the idea, it's a lot of family. So we're family forever, whether he's serving in another local body or somewhere else, or even somehow God leads him back here, he's family, and and that's what we want to go away with. And so let us pray, um, just pray with you today and pray over you. So I'm going to close in prayer, then after this, um, Mike's going to come and lead us in a closing song. And I want to encourage you, after that song, Just come and just wrap your arms around Phil and his wife, Jessica. Just wrap your arms. Let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. Let's pray for them. Our Father, God, Phil is your child first and foremost because you have saved him by your grace, sealing him with your spirit, gifting him by your spirit, empowering him with your spirit as you will. And God, we rejoice and I pray that in this time, as Phil is walking just obediently in faith, I got you bless. We pray you bless, just lavish your grace upon him as we know you will. And so we just we just ask though because we know you love to work through prayers. So we're praying as a demonstration of our faith to you, Father for your child our brother knowing that you will guide him lead him provide for him and god we so we do so in great confidence we thank you for his wife we thank you for the love that they share with one another it's so amazing the the love that this couple has it's obviously a love that's been given from you and so we pray that god you continue to grow him as a father as a husband as a pastor, and as all those titles, they really merge into what it is to be a man of God. And God, for his wife, that she will be full of faith and strength. God, we thank you for Jessica. You've gifted her in so many ways. God, we love you. Um, we pray that you continue to encourage her and strengthen her. And God, we thank you. and We celebrate the life that is in her and that, that will soon be, be outside and we'll all be able to see. We thank you for life. And God, we we rejoice in who you are, knowing that you are sovereign, knowing that you have a wondrous plan. And we praise you as our Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, man. And uh, for, for members, and just so everyone know, there's going to be a letter coming out later this week, and it's going to kind of give some details and explanations of everything. If you have any questions as we proceed, uh, feel free to come talk to Phil or any one of the elders, and we'd love to answer any question that you have.
5: And as uh, we're going today, I know that there are countless stories And wonderful moments where God has used Phil and Jess to uh, work in your life and grow you as a Christian. I hope you, if you haven't already, let them know that. Um, I know, if you know me, I've come from a church background that was a little rough. And when I first got here, I held everyone at arm's distance. Um, And Phil and Jess, you've been great. Without you, I wouldn't have a job still. And without you, I wouldn't have had anyone to drive me to the hospital when I had a 105-degree fever. And God has worked in you guys especially to teach me that, yes, the church does love people, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't let one bad experience ruin it for me. So you guys have been great. Um, and I know that wherever God leads you, whether it's still here or wherever else, um, I'll certainly miss you, but um, you will still be my brother, sister, and friend's.
2: And uh, it'll be great. We're going to close in one song.